0: This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt.
1: And I'm Zach Mir. on this week's show, Britain's top CEO. And
2: my view is that the easiest way for bank bashing to stop is for banks to stop doing stupid things.
0: We're joined by Craig Donaldson, CEO of Metro Bank.
2: Unfortunately, I've never had a dog that I've trained very well, so I think I'm a better leader of business than I am in a trainer of dogs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: he tells us what makes a good leader. The job is to lead the company. It's not to win a, a, a likability contest, but you do want to be respected. Communication is probably the most important thing.
0: Welcome to City AM Unregulated. On this week's show, we're joined by the best CEO in the UK. Well, that's according to Glassdoor's Employees' Choice Awards anyway.
1: In the studio this week, Craig Donaldson, CEO of Challenger Bank Metro. Welcome. Thank you.
0: So what do you have to do to be named the best CEO in the UK by your workers? (laughs) you bribed them?
2: This is where I blush and try and be very humble. (laughs) And and I didn't bribe them, but obviously I will next year. Um, I I think for me, you've just got to be... I have my set of values, and the company has its set of values. And where you get the alignment of the company and the CEO, I think then the people that you're working with kind of know that. So the people I work with, you know, there's over 2,100 of us now. Uh, from from four of us seven years ago and I think the people recruited share the values so therefore they probably respect me because they know that I make decisions against the values that they're recruited to live as well
0: but when you say values can you give us examples of those
2: so so our values are all about customer and and customer service so we make all the decisions against that so then if I've got to make a decision that people might not like and you have to my job is to lead the company it's not to win a, a, a likeability contest but you do want to be respected and therefore, when I have to make hard decisions, I can explain it against why we're doing it and what it means to customers so at least people can understand it. I think that's really, really important. Communication is probably the most important thing.
1: What's, what's strange about this is that you've got... The, it's like everybody's happy, it's all nice, but in business, in order to get, to climb up the the, the greasy pole, uh, get, get up to the next uh, rung of the ladder, you've got to be quite tough and ruthless. So it's it's understandable that you're... You know, you can be a nice manager, maybe at a local branch, but to get to the top of a bank, which could you know, conceivably be in the FTSE 100, uh, not very many nice people around in that, in that space. I, I don't agree with
2: you. I think there's nothing that stops you being polite and treating people with respect. Do, do people want to be liked? I, I, that's not important to me. But as long as you are respected, you can make hard decisions, but you've got to explain them. And there's no reason why you need to be rude. There's no reason why you can't treat people well, but yes, my job is to make hard decisions sometimes, and people might not agree with them. But as long as they understand why
1: I've done it, then at least they can understand the remit on which I make my decisions. But most of the, the anchors of industry, the, I mean, either the people you see in the media or the people I, a lot of people I've interviewed as well, uh, Philip Green, uh, Mike Ashley, um, not really cuddly, touchy-feely type of people, are they? <laughs> I've never met them, uh, and you must remember, I'm a Sunderland supporter. Uh,
2: born and bred I grew up in a pit village in the northeast of England so asking me to comment on the chairman of Newcastle probably isn't something I should answer so I'll stay away from that one <laughs> I'll stay away from that one no look warm and cuddly is, is wrong uh, Glassdoor if you you know I read some of the things that were written and it said we work people hard don't come here if you're not willing to put the hours in it, it, you've got you know there's opportunities but you've got to make sure that you deliver that's what I want people. I want people who've got good interpersonal skills, good intellect. It doesn't have to be classical, but good intellect and a good work ethic. And if you've got that, you get on an our place. And if you don't have that, then we don't want you in our place. And you've got to be really clear. So I wouldn't say warm and cuddly, but I also, look, I want to treat people the way I'm treated. You know, I want people to respect me for being a human being. And I also want to be respected for being the CEO of Metrobank. But when I go home at night and, and I see my kids and do whatever, I also want to know I've done what I think is the right thing.
0: So, if you, so you've got a, a young branch manager in front of you. They've yeah. just got their first team. What are the, the kind of top three things you would tell them to do?
2: Be yourself. If you try and not be yourself, if you try and be something you're not, you put stress in. And the more stress you add to yourself, the more that you'll find it hard to live the, the job. So first of all, you've got to be yourself. Don't do something that you, don't, you can't be yourself at. Secondly, establish your standards quickly. You've got to establish what you expect of people, and they've got to know it.
0: So it's like setting boundaries, like exactly. parenting. Yeah. Um,
2: yes. Um, hopefully, though, you're dealing with adults, so you don't have to treat them like kids, because uh, if you get to that position, you're not a leader anymore. Um, and, and the third thing is then develop them, because if you grow your team to do a better job, your job gets easier.
0: Is that a bit like with when you get a dog?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately I've never had a dog that I've trained very well so I think I'm a better leader of business than I am in a trainer of dogs
0: but Metro Bank is a big lover of dogs oh gosh yes and what's that about it,
2: it, what we're trying to say is look um, you have a family or, or a dog or whatever we don't want you to tie the dog outside you're our customer and you love that dog and that's more about saying you're welcome you're welcome to bring your dog in we've had horses what? You had people come in with uh, horses once. You're joking. Uh, they, yeah, they rode them in because we, we don't have steps. Uh, so we've always got easy access for people. We've had uh, uh, ferrets, we've had cats, we've had rabbits. The horse um, did manage to leave us a present. Uh, and every store has pooper scoopers to a... clean up and it couldn't cope.
0: Was this outside the drive
2: through? Or... No, it was in a store. You're up, joking. up at the counter, paying in the counter. So we, the point is it's about customers being welcome. And so if you can bring your dog in, what we're trying to say is, we love you, we love your dog, come in and do business with us.
0: And just very quickly, for those who are listening who aren't completely familiar with the yeah. brand, can you explain a little bit about what you do do for the dogs?
2: So, so as, the dogs. As, as well as the dogs. Well, well, first of all, it's about service convenience, and we welcome everybody. We're open seven days a week, um, and we want to create a, a service culture purely about customer, customer, customer. So for dogs, if you come in, we've got dog bandanas, we've got dog biscuits. Oh, yeah, the dog bandanas are great. I was down in Brighton visiting some friends a few weeks ago, and we're on the beachfront and saw two dogs with their bandanas on. Uh, And my my little boy who's age shouted, Daddy, Daddy, your bank, your bank. It's like, shh, shut up, doesn't matter. Um, But but the point is, like I said, uh, the biscuits can be eaten by cats if you want, or... It's about customers feeling welcome.
0: And that extends through into your office as well?
2: Yes, um, yes, it does. We have lots of dogs that have been running around the office. We obviously have Duffy, who is the dog of our chairman, who you see a lot, uh, and uh, other people bring their dogs in. Um,
0: Presumably you have a
2: dog. I don't.
0: What?
1: I have two children. That's more (laughs) than enough. (laughs) I'd like to move um, smoothly from dogs to cats and uh, the fat variety... Um, there's a lot of deb- debate in the media at the moment about uh, executive pay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our, uh, well, for instance, the uh, CEO of RBS, I think, is taking home three, three and a half million pounds a year in his latest package. Uh, from what I've seen, RBS loses thirty million pounds a day, so three and a half million pounds is not very much money actually on that scale. Um, what, do you, what do you believe um, the ratio between you know the, the, the average bank employee and, and the CEOs? pay should be and how should it be measured? Because I don't think we've really got the answer. I mean, whatever your views are, whether you don't like fat cats or you do or um, pay is fair or not, there's not really any proper measure of performance and remuneration, is there? And it's a a difficult area. I think there is measures. Um, First of all, I
2: don't know what the right pay is. I think that, um, you know, let me give you the corporate answer and I'll move on from that. But the corporate answer is always going to be that there are nominations and remuneration committees. People can buy and sell shares. If you're not happy with what people are being paid, Vote against it, don't own the stock, don't go to that company. The easiest way to make change happen is not to use the companies who do things that you don't like. But if you don't then do something about it, don't moan about it. Take action, please. It's very easy for people to sit on the outside and throw rocks. I'd rather people actually did something. So, point one. Point two, I think there is a metric that's out there that's pretty clear where it talks about what the average wage is and how much the CEO is paid above the average wage of that organisation. And I think that is published by many organisations, and I, th- I think that's fine. And I do believe that most CEOs, if not all CEOs, especially those that are listed, have all of their financial information published. And it's really weird. Like I said, I'm a, a Pitt Village boy, uh, grew up in, uh, just outside Sunland in a place called Pensha. You know, you don't talk religion, you don't talk politics, and you don't talk pay, was what I was always brought up with. I have to now, we have to now. It's published, it's transparent. Therefore, we can have the conversations. And I think as long as it's transparent, as long as you know the numbers you know, you can then challenge it. But it's up to people to challenge it constantly if they want change. It's
0: not always transparent, though. You know, you get these wildly complex bonus structures. Do you think that's okay?
2: I do think the bonus structures have got mad. Yeah. Uh, and I, I must admit, that's where we try and keep it really simple. So I get paid a base salary. Uh, I get a pension, 10% on top of that. And then I don't get any cash bonuses. I just get share options. And the share options are struck at whatever the price is at the time that they're struck. So I got my last share options. We listed the company at £20. I got my share options at £20. That's it. That's my pay package. That's how it's structured. It's as simple as that. And
1: I'm on exactly the same pension and exactly the same share option price as everybody in the company. The banker bashing thing comes in where you've got banks which are not necessarily making money. But uh, the people are getting paid the same. Your bank's doing really well. I would say, you know, give the man, give Craig ten million pounds, twenty. You know, who cares? Because <laughs> you're doing well, and probably you wouldn't disagree. You wouldn't uh, disagree I, with you No, know, I would um, disagree. <laughs> I, I
2: absolutely would disagree because. Do um, you want
0: to give me twenty
2: million? <laughs> well, okay. no, because look, I, I, God, I'm, I'm really lucky. I have a great life, and, and I love what I do. There's a danger with what you've just said. If you don't pay people an appropriate wage against the competition then you're not going to get the talent. And if you want to get the talent, you have to pay for it. Talent is the biggest battle any organisation faces. Getting the right people, keeping the right people, developing the right people. And if a company is going through hard times, slashing the wages, getting rid of the highly paid and bringing in people who aren't as good, it's not the way to get a company out of issues, in my humble opinion.
1: They cut the pay of the, uh, the people, the junior staff, in order to pay what they regard as key... Uh, management and key risk takers in the business uh, much more. So the 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 knife the knife is is, is not unevenly wielded. spread. Yes, exactly. Yes. And two wrongs don't make a right. I'm not condoning that in the
2: slightest. But two wrongs don't make a right. My view is get the talent. You'll always do better if you've got talented people. And it's a false economy to invest in people if you if you go for a second. You know the old thing of uh, B, a players recruit a players. B players recruit C players, C players recruit D players, always recruit A players. And to me, the way you differentiate talent is is culture. Make sure you get people who fit the culture of your organisation. I don't know whether Ross does, and I don't know if Ross will be paid as much as he is. I do know he's got a big job on his hands, and it's a hard job. And for the British economy and for UK PLC,
1: I hope he does a really good job. Do you think, as a a general point, uh, the right things were done at the time of the 2007 uh, bank, you know, uh, banking collapse. We led the world uh, in the banking collapse there. Was it right with the benefit of hindsight to save th- these uh, institutions? That's a huge question. So let's look at where it worked
2: and where it didn't work. And um, in America, they, they did bail out the banks, but they split the bad banks and the good banks very quickly. And they've had significantly faster recovery. So do I think it was right to bail them out? I think most countries around the world did. Was it right to hold them all together, or should they have split good and bad faster and harder? Well, I think if you
1: look at the countries that did do that, they have recovered faster. And I think there is a challenge there for decisions so that's that were the made. The thing that Metro Bank has made a transformation on the high street with, with, with what you've done. Yeah. If you didn't have the competition of the, uh, let's say, the, the bailed out banks, there, you'd be much better bigger and better than they are now and you know we actually would have rebooted uh, the sector far more effectively just let let the dead weight go and bring in bring in the new and you've done that very well we we've grown you know we we started one
2: store 67 people when we opened the doors on the 29th of July we we have a different offering though we have better technology we have great people focused on the customers our stores are open 7 days a week and we've created a culture with technology and locations that allow us to do things that other banks can't. It's called service. I mean, it's not revolutionary. It's just really good.
0: To turn that around, should we be calling time on banker bashing now? Should we, should we just say, right, that's it. They've paid their dues. They've, they're changing the way they're working. Stop.
2: <laughs> I'd love to think that would happen because I, I'm proud of what I do. I, and I want my kids to be proud of do what I do. Do you lump
0: yourself in with the with the? I am a banker. Reform? I'm
2: a proud. I'm proud of what I do. No, I don't lump myself in with them. But I am a banker. And my view is the easiest way for bank bashing to stop is for banks to stop doing stupid things. And what banks need to do is focus on their customers and not their profit. Profit should be a byproduct of delivering value to customers. And it goes horribly wrong when the profit is more important than the delivery to customers. That's
0: all well and you've good, but then you've got it. shareholders.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure the shareholders in RBS have been over the moon with the way it's gone in the last 10 to 15 years. Shareholders should be looking in the long term. And I agree with you, that can create issues, but not a single shareholder of RBS can be happy at the moment. And actually they'd have had a much better return if they would focused on delivering the value to the customers and not the value to the, well, I guess the fat cats is the honest answer. I'm sick of seeing more and more in the press We've got to stop the banks doing misconduct. We've got to stop the banks having
1: all of these fights and move on. So, yes, I want to stop bank bashing, but the banks have got to stop doing stupid things first. Many of these stupid things were okay at the time, but they turned to be retrospectively judged as being wrong, like LIBOR and uh, PPI, other other scandals like that. Um, The regulators seem to be going, uh, well, backwards in time and making things which were legal then illegal now. I think it's how you handle the aftermath.
2: And how you make sure you don't do it again. I think that a lot of the aftermath has been handled legally, trying to minimize the losses on the back of it as much as possible, and that's dragged it out. And there's something about closing it down, paying it off, and moving on. If you cut co- you know, that I think the hedging issue is going on with small businesses at the moment that's in all of the courts where small businesses are saying they were missold hedges, and there's certain discussions going on about how much money has been spent to fight the court cases that could pay off the costs of the hedging. We've just got to move through these things faster.
0: You're running a challenger bank. It's, it's a fairly new sector in the UK. Is your aim to compete with the big four?
2: Um,
0: is your aim to grow as big as the big four?
2: So our aim is not to compete with the big four, because I don't look at the big four or the big 10 or whatever. What we look at is service convenience. Our job is to win customers and to create fans, and that's what we call, we call create fans. Last year we spent 60 grand on advertising, we doubled the size of the bank. How? Because our fans, our customers told their friends and their colleagues and family to should bank with us. So we don't focus on what the big banks are doing, we focus on what our customers want. I think if you start looking at what the big banks do, or what your competition do, you can start running into very strange directions. We have a very clear culture, we have a very clear business model, and that's what we do.
0: You know, you've, you've listed, was it 2013?
2: No, we listed three months ago. Oh God. We've just been told we'll be going into the FTSE 250 next Monday. So we'll be going in about 75 to the FTSE 250. So we'll be the 175th largest uh, business by market in and the FTSE. I'm dead chuffed, sorry. Congratulations. <laughs> and, and you want
0: to move up into the FTSE 100, presumably?
2: We'll only do that, though, by growing the bank in the right way. So I'd love to grow the bank. I'd love to create more jobs. You know, like I said, seven years ago, there was about four of us building the bank. It's over 2,000. That's 2,000 jobs created. We've raised over a billion pounds in equity, and and over 90% of that's come from America. So we've raised about a billion and a half of inward investment to create jobs. It's kind of good news, really. You know, we've created jobs with one inward investment, and I want to keep creating funds and keep creating jobs and keep growing the bank. My wife says I've got three kids, two at home and one at work. Um, And I have. I I love what we do, and I'm very proud of it, and I want to keep building it in the right way. And that's why, you know, I don't look at the big banks. I look at people like Lush. You smell them before you see them. You
0: know what, if your bank smelled like
2: that. (laughs) Well, after the horse earlier I mentioned, no. (laughs) Um, The the point, I think Lush are a brilliant company. I, I, I think the way that they've integrated their culture with the technology they use and the Internet is second to none. I love what John Lewis do. You know, John Lewis have that everybody owns that company, and that's what we do. Share options are given to everybody who works in our bank. The
0: market, though, is becoming increasingly crowded. Is that, is that going to be a problem for your growth? You know, you've got Aldermore, you've got Shawbrook, you've got First Direct, you've got TSB. You know, it feels like every week I get an email about another challenger bank. It's, I mean, is that not going to create a critical mass?
2: I think competition's a good thing, as long as they have different models. What we don't need is more me-tos of the big banks. I think we can all agree that's the last thing we need. So as long as people are bringing different business models, our business model is very different to the people you talked about. But um, we are competing and we compete on service convenience and and that's what we focus on.
0: Is there not a risk that the other, I mean, while you're looking away, those big banks could start acquiring fintech companies, they could start acquiring their own challenger banks and suddenly you, you look back and there's a major competitor for you?
2: Yeah, of course, because that's likely to happen. (laughs) Um, Look, um, they could. You know, the banks have got great people working there, but they've got legacy platforms, they've got legacy premises, they've got legacy issues to tackle. They've got a number of years to sort that out. Uh, They they do, you know, I'm not, there's a lot of their customers, I'm sure, very, very happy. I'm not, you know, I've worked for many of them, as you said earlier. For me, I would rather focus on what we do. I'd rather focus on us being the
1: best we can be Delivering the best service to our customers we can deliver, because then I know we'll grow. It seems your USP is having a non-banking culture at a bank. That's what you've done. So you've you've got the other parts of the the, the, the soft areas of the high street have been transferred into into your into your culture. But it's still you still have the problem of margins, and uh, you have the problem of the the economic cycle. Uh, if there's a housing crash now, presumably you'd be vulnerable like anybody else. Um, there are risks of Brexit obviously coming through, um, you know, this has been with near 0% interest rates of five-year, seven-year period of growth. Uh, if you couldn't make money now, you never, you were never gonna, it was never going to happen, was it? Well, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry, I don't agree with that.
2: Banks uh, normally make money in slightly higher interest rates, very low interest rates with very low curves are not great places for banks to make money. So that's not true. Risk, though, I agree with you, it's been a very benign environment. But you've got to make sure you're lending to people that you'd lend to in any environment. And you've got to make sure you've got good risk management. We are a bank, you know? Um, We could lend a lot more money than we do today, but I'm an old-fashioned chap. I like to get it back.
1: So I want to lend to people, I'll get my uh, money you, back. you take it back to the, having the... You, you go down to the bank and you speak to your bank manager yes. and you know everybody knows your name and it's... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure everybody will know your name, but you can certainly speak to the bank manager. And you can certainly meet people who can it's do a face things face-to-face thing much yeah. more. And well, if
2: you imagine... The point for me is, look, our stores are open seven days a week. And of course we lend money. But our average loan-to-value is 60% on houses. So we, we're not the high loan-to-value, the high affordability lenders... We run a low-risk bank with long-term growth. And we grow through winning customers. And that's why our stores are open seven days a week, so you can pop in any time you want. I mean, it's ridiculous that you're paying for a service, but they're not open when you want them. You know, I, I, I have to work a lot of hours. Why does the bank have bank holidays? And why are they shut? When just about every customer I talk to who's got shops and restaurants and bars are working. Over 40% of our transactions are outside of what you'd consider core banking hours. At a weekend, we open over 2,000 accounts in-store every weekend because people want services suits them. But you've got to have brilliant technology. We've got cracking technology. We can, have you ever lost a card? I'm sure you haven't. But, yeah, of course you have.
0: Yeah, a couple of so times.
2: We can print a card off in-store instantly. So, Sorry.
0: Um, just before we wrap up, um, we now have Zach and Emma's famous football questions, Ooh, yes. which is us sounding very awkward while asking football questions. As the UK's most loved CEO, who is the best leader in the Euros?
2: Oh, I don't. I honestly don't know. I, and actually, I don't Tell care. The I don't care. So I love Sunderland Football Club. I, mm. I, I, I've been going since I was four year old with my dad. I am a massive Sunland fan so I'd have to say Sam Allardyce is obviously the best leader and thank god he's not at the Euros because I want him to be manager of Sunland. I do think from a rugby perspective Eddie Jones has done an amazing job. I love my rugby as well. And I think that in Eddie Jones, unfortunately in Australia, we've got a brilliant person leading England at the moment.
0: So is the board going to back Sam Allardyce in the transfer market?
2: Yes, they have sounded to. sounded
0: natural, though. Come on,
2: <laughs> they have to. No, I, I'm sure they are. We've, we've had four years of relegation threatening. We spent more time, I think, in the bottom three than Aston Villa did last year. I am a proper fan, by the way. I do apologise, <laughs> I, I am. So
0: from one leader to another, mm-hmm. from one boss to another, what's your advice for Roy in the
2: Euros keep his people engaged uh, keep them motivated and he's got to be clear what he wants them to do I'd like them to shoot a bit more I- I'm not sure he can tell them uh, we can tell them when you go out score more goals than you concede I guess is the old adage but I just think it's all about communication I go back to what I said at the start okay. it's all about communication
0: Well on that note let's wrap up
1: With thanks to Craig Donaldson this has been City AM Unregulated
0: Remember you can listen to the podcast on cityam.com or download via iTunes or Audio to listen on the go. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production.